This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Jerry Mace, the Kicking Lawyer. Thank you guys for joining us for another Law Talk. As always, if you haven't, please remember to like, follow, subscribe to the content. We're on all social media platforms, all podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. So please check us out. Uh, we are on TikTok. You can check out TikTok. Josh is on there doing all the dances. He all likes to dances. do the TikTok dances. You should go see if you see Josh doing any dances. And of course, my favorite band, N.A. The Band, their album Inside My Head is out right now. You can download that for free wherever you listen to music. Uh, some good guys, please give them some support. Our longtime sponsor, Michelle Allen, is your go-to in the area if you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate. She'd be glad to help you out. She's also a good contact if you're just trying to get information in this area. Uh, High Octane Martial Arts in Covington. We've been there since 93 for 30 years. Uh, that's where I learned to kick people in the face, and we would be glad to teach you also how to kick people in the face. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. The Cellar Restaurant and Prohibition Bar is located in Covington. We're opening a second location in Somerville very soon. Uh, it's open seven days a week, brunch on Saturdays, Sundays, always fun stuff to do there. You can visit the cellar at cellartn.com for more information on that. Masonite Marketing is uh, the, Josh's deal. He'd be glad to help you with your brand, developing marketing plans, social media posts, etc. Just visit masonitemarketing.com. And last but not least, the Covington Comic Con is returning to the Covington Civic Center August 12th and 13th. You can buy tickets online at CovingtonComicCon.com, and you can also set up uh, being a vendor, etc. We'd be glad to have you. Just visit CovingtonComicCon.com for more information on that. Joining me today is a very close friend of mine and uh, business associate, Miss Kim Doherty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So for those that don't know, Kim is a longtime attorney uh, and sp focuses on family law. And this is sort of the podcast where we're announcing a, a big, new, exciting pivot that we're all going to do that we think is going to be a better way for us to uh, serve our clients. So what we're going to be talking about is niche marketing. But before we get into that, Kim, why don't you tell everybody who you are, your background, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm Kimberly Doherty. I'm an attorney. Um, I mainly do family law out here in the rural counties of Tipton, Fayette, Lauderdale, um, Hardeman, and um, I do go into Shelby County some. Um, and I mainly do family law not because um, I choose, well, actually I choose not to do anything but family law because I think that it's better to hone in on one practice. And that's what I've been doing since I've been practicing mainly. So um, I followed a very good example. Um, I have a friend of mine who, when he started his practice, he decided to do mainly wills, estates, probate work. And... Um, very good attorney but um, when I talked to him about starting a practice he said hone in on one area do it well and specialize in it because it's very difficult to do a lot of different things at once yeah and I think uh, so I, f I got the same advice in the beginning for some good lawyers mm -hmm. to focus on one area but I think a lot of lawyers in the beginning one they don't even know what area they might be best for or be right. be skilled at 
And I think, you know, that's something that we did here with Huffman Mason in the beginning and up till really recently we had done diverse practice. And I think uh, you and I have discussed this. You kind of get a jack of all trades, but maybe master of none. Right. So the new pivot we're doing is Kim's been my longtime law partner, and she's pivoting into her own practice in a practice, really. She'll have KD Law that will be a family law exclusive, and then Huffman Mason will be exclusive, cl- exclusively criminal defense. Now, saying that, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how that looks here in a second, but I want to make sure everybody watching knows we can still both be contacts to get you to areas of practice that um, we're outside our scope of practice. So we, we both have really good, obviously, if you call us uh, for, for, for family law, we're going to send you to Kim and vice versa if you call her for criminal defense. But we also can refer you to personal injury, to, you know, whatever, whatever you got going that's a, a legal need, we want to be a point of contact for you still. But we both, I think, have realized in practice that it's very important to be a master of your air for your craft kind of like well like physicians now i guess would you think that's a good analysis of the way people need to look at like a a niche practitioner in law yes that's the trend um all the cle's i'm going to all the things that i'm seeing the research is showing that it's just it's the better way to practice law i mean we've been following this model for a while and it's this is this is where the wave of the future is with the practice of law. It's the physicians have been doing this a long time ago. You know, it's you know back a long time ago when you became an attorney, you would apprentice under another attorney, and you did sort of everything. And then it became where it became specialized, and then these large firms would sort of have um, small practice areas or a, a variety of practice areas. And they do that today. I mean, if you go to a very large firm, it's it's almost like firms within a firm. And they send you to someone within that practice area. The issue is, is that sometimes you have smaller firms where you might have an attorney that does a little bit of everything. But it's a really kind of, I feel for me, and I think you, you and I both talked about that. I think it's kind of this dangerous area where you try to do too much or you try to do a practice area that you don't feel comfortable in. Like you and I have talked about that, like where I feel comfortable handling family law or um, someone going through a divorce that may not be where you're well suited. Yeah. Or I may not feel comfortable with a, a criminal client because that's just, you know, or if you know, that's just not where I am with this practice, like where we are doing this right now. So it's just one of those where, you know, that's well, what you've got. Well, I grew from, so I, and the people that watch any of this probably know because I openly run my mouth about everything. But when I first went to law school, kind of the catalyst was my own divorce, which mm-hmm. we've talked about. And I initially thought what I was going to want to do or be good at was represent dad specifically. That's what I thought. I mm-hmm. thought I would come out and that I'd either have a niche in sort of a focus on being a DA maybe, or my driving force was helping dad, so to speak. Well, then I get into practice, and I was doing a little of this, a little of that, and I didn't, one, I didn't enjoy family law. It didn't bring me joy, I guess, is important. And I think even in practice, it, it you know, you know, if you're very, if you're lucky and you get a job where you, you enjoy what you're doing, that's a blessing, right? But sometimes every job, even things you think you like, there may be components you don't. One, I didn't enjoy it. Two, there were things, there were skill sets that to, I think to be a good, and, and I don't want to, it's hard to say I didn't do well at family law, but at the same time, I think sometimes the client 
maybe wasn't as helped as I helpful as I could have been or as a lawyer could have been because like the hand holding. I am not good at the hand holding. And some clients, a lot of family law clients, need hand holding. Mm -hmm. And it is not what I'm good at. I'm not strong at it. I get frustrated with it personally. Now, I'm not saying that criminal clients don't need, quote, hand holding, and I can explain what that is too, but um, it's different. And I'm better at it with the criminal law area. So for me personally, it, what, what had to happen, honestly, for, for me, for where we're at now with the law firm, is I had to accept that I had weaknesses and, and I had to recognize my strengths also mm-hmm. and be very honest about those. And the reality is, as much as I have, I have done family law and um, I think I had good outcomes and then, you know, maybe not as good outcomes at times, I don't know, but um, I didn't enjoy it. I don't have the skill set for it. And I had to finally own the fact that I'm a criminal defense lawyer, that that's right, what right. I do. That's what I'm best at. I get really good outcomes for the clients in that way. The clients, I think, have better satisfaction. And for my skill set, it suits that better. And you could elaborate if you want to, Kim, because I've, for the last year now, told everyone that came in they needed you, you know, because I've recognized your skill set and I feel like you're better suited for family law. Right. So you want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> that difference there? Well, you know, it's one thing that I think – you know, it's it's wherever you pivot. Like, um, if I did if I did criminal law, then I would just concentrate on that. If I did um, probate work, I would just concentrate on that. I don't necessarily think it's saying, um, "Hey, I only do this one area of law well, and this is what I do." I just think that as the attorney, you've got to say, "Okay, this is the area of law I'm going to concentrate on, and this is what I'm going to do," because I think that. It's, it's something that you've got to concentrate on, just like if you're a DA or you're a public defender. Those people do that work, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, and that's what we do. And, you know, you've got whole firms that are nothing but personal injury firms, mm-hmm. and they, they get really good at that work because they are in it so much. And, like, with family law, you know, we've talked about that because of our own personal experiences, you know, I... I, I joke that because I'm from Louisiana, I, I judge all divorces in uh, categories of hurricanes, you know, and I went through a Cat 5 hurricane divorce. And because of that, you know, I, I have extensive knowledge in all of these motions that needed, you know, that, that could be filed in a divorce because I promise you, if there's a motion that was filed during a divorce, it was filed during mine. And, you know, it's, it's one of those where I have this extensive knowledge of these things. And so that's what I'm saying. Like the research shows, more of these attorneys are doing niche practices and it only helps your client. And I've bragged on you. You know, you are the DUI destroyer. I mean, you were a policeman before. Mm -hmm. And you use those talents and skills that you had in this previous career. I was a teacher for almost like 15 years. And I was also a special ed teacher. I was a regular ed teacher. I'm a classical educator. So... I have issues come up in family law all the time with parents who homeschool, parents who, you know, have children that need special help in school, IEPs. You know, I've, I've even been guardian ad litem for um, adults who have special needs. So it, these are things that come up all the time that I have this expertise for. So it's, it's been really rewarding, challenging, but I think the more you do whatever practice it is in, the better you get at it and the better you can 
the more the better your outcomes are for your clients yeah. so that's what i think it is well and and I, I i don't mean to say that i'm not good at or couldn't do the family law because uh, i think i had good outcomes while i was doing it what but what i think you you hit on is I, would ne- I was never comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I had to research a lot of stuff a lot more. And I, I think I sometimes maybe undervalue the experience I had as a cop sure. because it was dealing with the same TCA codes that yeah. I'm dealing with in criminal defense from a different perspective, right. which was something else that we had discussed. Like you were talking about your own divorce, and obviously I've been through that, so I can really relate to clients on that end. But like judges, our chancellors oh, and wow. uh, juvenile yeah. judges – who have not been through that mm-hmm. and that are setting in judgment on a case that, you know, the client comes to us and when this case comes to you and, you know, it's a, even with me, both of us, it's a dark day for them. Generally it's either they're the one coming to file because they're at their wits end. And we can talk about some of those statistics too, because I know you know those and then, or they're the other end where it's been filed against them and mm-hmm. it's this dark day. Or in my case, they're, you know, looking at, been arrested or prison time there's a cloud in either way right and so then it's the most important thing to them and I know both of us understand that and then we eventually fast forward we do all this legwork we try to work the case out we do what we do and then the end result in both cases would be a form of a trial either a bench trial for you or jury trial for me and you've got this judge sitting there in judgment who it's a number it's a case a docket to them I want to talk about that because the most successful clients I have, I call them gold star clients, are the ones that come in and it seems counterintuitive, but they can really suspend their emotion for a little while and be realistic about their divorce and are the ones that I can suspend, you know, that I can help them with their um, expectations. And one of the things we talked about family court judges is the the truth of the matter is, is that most of these judges that are family court judges have never been through a divorce. They are on the bench, and I hate saying this because I really like them as people, and I think that they try to do the best they can, but most of these family court judges, they sit on the bench and they look at all of these people coming through for a divorce with sort of a failure mindset of these are just two people who can't get along, these are two people who have failed at a marriage. Therefore, you know, it's almost like a fault mindset. And I really wish that family court judges would not come at people in this manner because not all divorces are failures. There are a lot of times when people need a divorce because it is for the benefit of the family, that people don't need to be together, that it's actually, you know, somebody's toxic in the family or this is not a good situation for the children, but we have not evolved in our family court system for our family courts to think of divorce that way because our family court judges, we are still 20 years behind with the psychology of divorce and child rearing. Our family court judges do not still have a lot of the basics of personality disorders like narcissistic personality, disorder. Um, We still have this idea that any parent, even a toxic parent, is better than no parent at all. And you and I have talked about that. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily true. I've had cases where, you know, there's been someone who has been involved with domestic violence. I had a case one time where the father literally aimed a gun at a mother's head while the child was holding the mother's hand 
and the father, you know, and the judge said, well, he's got to have visitation because I'm not going to let you make this child an orphan. And I just stood there with my mouth open like, this can't be happening. But there is still this idea that a parent, a child needs two parents regardless of how violent, how horrible, how whatever the other parent is. And we've got to move beyond that. And we just, we haven't. So we've got to keep in mind, you know, that we are still dealing with an older generation of family court judges who really, you know, they kind of have their mindset that this is a failure and it's really kind of not. But there are some interesting statistics too with divorce that are, they're, they're, they're interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, let's talk about those. I did want to comment what you said on the chancellors and family law judges. Similarly, on criminal defense, I told you this uh, earlier, yeah. is it's hard, in my experience, when you have a judge that was not a, a defense lawyer oh, yeah. or was just a defense lawyer. Yeah. They need to have both sides. Yes. And I think that's helped me a lot in being a, I wasn't a prosecutor, but I was a cop, which was on the enforcement side, mm-hmm. and then now on the defense side, and I really see both sides well. And I think that the justice tends to be in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard when, these are very intelligent people, Sure. but you know, uh, perspective is reality until you've gotten some experience that changes that perspective, sometimes I, I think it's hard to say that your decision is um, the best. Of course, you know, we say all that here and maybe not in the courtroom when it's their courtroom, yeah, you know you what can't. I mean? Yeah, yeah because they're, they're the, that, that's their, that's, they're ultimately the, the deciding factor there on a lot of stuff. So anyway, yeah, yeah. But uh, so statistics you were going to mention. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are still some, some things that are interesting and you and I have talked about this and, you know, we don't want to get our perspectives involved because I've got really great clients. Like, I've got great clients, but it's still where 80%, approximately about 80% of all divorces are filed by women. Do you want to you want to guess why? Why? What do you think? Uh, why, why do you think that is? And I, and I don't want you to look at my notes, but why do you think that is? Hmm. Why do you think women Well, so I am not going to I'm not going to give a bunch Josh, of pushback on the take a guess? I'm not going to give pushback Aww. on the statistics. All I'll say is this is you know there's lies, damn lies and statistics. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, Josh, I don't I don't take a guess, I don't know huh? what the answer is. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to guess cuz I'll, pro- I'll probably be way off if I guess. Okay. So I have my own personal theory, but I really believe that one of the things that I've seen is because men tend to check out in their marriage. They just tend to check out. And I keep seeing this, and it's really weird, because there are, in, in all the divorces I've been doing lately, there are about three points during a marriage that I've noticed that people file for divorce. During the first year of marriage, during years four through seven, they call it the seven-year itch. Well, it's really not seven-year year itch. It's years four through seven. It's when the honeymoon's worn off, and you have to become friends with your spouse Mm -hmm. and these people have stopped being friends and they've these are people who you know they're they're not working together or something's happened and surprisingly enough the majority of my divorces lately are people of retirement age yeah i noticed that coming in that's it's insane i have more people over 50 and 60 filing for divorce recently and what i've noticed is they may be over 60 but one has discovered this renewal of life and the other one has not Mm -hmm. and they have such differences of hobbies and interest and health differences 
one has remained healthy, the other is not. Pickleball is the new meeting ground for people. It's crazy. And like people are social media. I mean, older people are using social media. They are reconnecting with these people from their past. It's it's become this hotbed of infidelity. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm seeing lately. This is what's happening. And a lot of these men are just checking out and having these separate lives. And these women sometimes, a lot of times, will file for divorce as a last-ditch effort to get get their attention. Mm -hmm. And these men just say, okay, let's do it. And I get to mediation a lot of times, and these women are devastated because we're actually getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. That they filed for, but they're... That they filed for mm-hmm. because they've been pushed into it. Mm-hmm. They've just been pushed because either, and this is what I'm saying, they've been pushed because the other spouse has committed what I call financial suicide. He stopped paying the mortgage. He stopped paying the bills. It's He's doing everything but filing for divorce. Yeah. Well, why don't you speak to this? Because I think this is a misconception, in my opinion, at least a lot of clients have, at least did while I was doing divorces and stuff. Does it matter who files? Not really. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I don't think it really matters. People think, oh, well, if I file first, not really. I, I will tell you what matters. I think it's who stays in the house mm-hmm. and who's with the children. And another thing that I think is abhorrent, and I cannot get people to stop, is another thing I'm saying is about 75% of the people going through a divorce already have someone else and they are introducing these people to their children before they even get a divorce Mm -hmm. okay can I please say this to the audience please stop doing that don't do that we don't do that divorce is already traumatic for your children Mm -hmm. do not go in in and introduce your children to someone before you have even gotten a divorce I mean this is not this is not the time to do this Mm -hmm. Your children have not even taken a breath. They don't need to be introduced to anybody. I mean, you need to have a moment. And the courts don't like that. You know, you don't really need to be dating. I mean, you don't need to jump from the frying pan into the flame, yeah. as my grandmother would say. Mm-hmm. So it's just, that that's one of the things that I just, I'm not, I'm not sure why people are doing this. I mean, I'm a big fan of therapy. I think a lot of people don't get the therapy they need during divorce after divorce i think there's a lot of things you need to look at a lot of people are red flag impaired is what i call it and i think it's really useful for people to get some therapy while they're going through divorce or at least after but that's a lot of stuff that i'm seeing and then i will i will tell you this um along with having that 75 percent that already have somebody else a lot of these people don't realize that if you get somebody too soon, that relationship will probably not end well. You know, like I have repeat customers. These are people that have gotten involved too fast mm-hmm. and they end up coming back for another divorce. Well, you know, I think that I mentioned this to you a minute ago. I think a lot of times when one of the reasons you shouldn't have someone when you're going through that is it clouds your judgment. Mm-hmm. While you're in this new euphoric phase with this new person, it's all exciting and wonderful, and we don't see any of their faults, and they're the greatest thing ever. It's clouding your judgment judgment on something that's very important on your future, whether you stay married or get divorced. 
the outcome is very important. And I think people are more prone to uh, extremes, either just let them have the whole thing, whatever, and then they don't think about the hindsight or the opposite end, you know, to where I'm just not going to be reasonable, I'm going to do all this. And I think that other person clouds a judgment. And then I've even seen, you know, mediations always had a rule where they couldn't have extra family or extra people in there, but they'd still be on the phone trying to get this mm-hmm. person's uh, opinion and stuff. And it's not their divorce. You know, right. it's on you and these kids, especially when there's kids. Like to me, if it's you, if you're two adults and y'all just got property and there's no kids involved, you know, whatever. I mean, does it really make, just do whatever. Be reasonable and split the stuff, right? But when you got children involved, they should be the focus. That should be the primary focus. What's in the best interest of the children? How are we going to make sure that the kids have some stability moving forward? Yeah. And and I know from both personal and professional opinion, because um, I was guilty of it too at times, sometimes parents think they're doing what's best for the child, but they're really making clouded decisions that are based on either hate or bias or, you know, and it's just unfortunate because yeah. the victims of the children. Well, I'm going to tell you, family courts do not care about your happiness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree they, with that. They do not care what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. They don't care about, you know, what what you want to do in life. They do not care. All they care about is what what's good for the kids. So if you have a new person in your life, they don't care. You want to move to where this person is, the court does not care. The court, they don't care. I mean, they just... So I I have people who have come in and say, well, I, I have to be happy too. And I've looked them straight in the face and said, you know what? The court does not care about your happiness. They don't care about any of that. So, yeah. So speak to that. So a lot of times clients come in, both criminal and family law, and they are interested in, they want to tell you and focus on things that aren't relevant. Oh, you know, yeah. a lot of the things that are just not relevant, which is fine if you want to pay me to listen to these issues. But then they get frustrated when I'm like, look, man. Nobody cares. Like, they, but the, yeah. the court legitimately doesn't care about certain things that are important sometimes to the client. Yes. Um, what's important in a divorce is really your assets. I mean, this is really, when you think about a divorce, it is really and truly a business transaction. I mean, you have two parts of a divorce. If you do not have children, really and truly, I'm just going to tell you, you are better off thinking of your divorce as a business transaction. It is it is you and your partner dividing assets. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That is, that's it. And you have to look at it as a cost-benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. How much is this going to cost me in a trial, in money, and all this? And I have people that tell me all the time, oh, well, I want to make him or her pay. I want my pound of flesh. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Do you have a million dollars? Do you have thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 that you are going to spend on this forever? Because... That is the most foolish thing. And you and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. I, I like being frugal with clients' funds. I, I am, there are plenty of law firms out there that will gladly take people's money and spend it haphazardly mm-hmm. and just foolishly spend people's money. And they will get nothing in return. You will not get your assets because you are going to have to sell your assets mm-hmm. in order to pay your attorney's fees. And there are people out there that are so narcissistic that are willing to do that. The courts don't like that at all. And the other part is if you have children, you really need to think about what is best for your children. Do you really want your children to go through a long-term custody battle? where you are faced with children who end up aging out of the court system before you even get to a settlement. 
I've seen it. I've experienced it. It's horrible for your children. They never can live a normal life. Mm -hmm. And it's like a prison sentence. I actually have um, a friend of mine, and she's going through that. It's terrible on the children, and it's just the courts are done. They are done. But there's really nothing that they can do. I mean, the court really can't. The court's hands are tied a lot of times in cases like that. Well, generally, the court wants you to come to an agreement. They do. They don't want to deal with your drama and garbage. I know that that's hard. You know, many, many times I'd had uh, hearings set, and uh, one specific chancellor here would pull us, me and the other lawyer, in and be like, what's the problem? What's, yes. You know, like he just wants you to get it done because he don't want to waste the time going through. And then that's what I think clients need to understand is to that judge – this is another day in court. He's missing the rounds of golf or whatever it is. You know, he'll listen. He's going to do his best, but he's going to listen for these X number of hours while this is your life here and then make yeah. a decision. You now, know? I will say this. There are times when I think it is beneficial to file that important motion for a change of custody or to modify a parenting plan because the other person is being completely unreasonable or they are holding the child well, or the, alienating Then or something. It, it becomes, like you were just talking about, it's an analysis. Yeah. And that's when you come to you, come to a lawyer, and say, this is what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. What is the risk here? Yeah. Is there more potential benefit on the back end if I file this versus risk of, because, you know, when you do any modification, it can open the door to whatever. And uh, I think that's why it's important to get uh, the, inf because there are times, like I have personally filed, in my own cases, my own personal case, filed modifications. Yeah. I think I filed two. And, I mean, sometimes there's grounds to do that. But you've got to be prepared. I think you need a good lawyer to guide you through, okay, what is this cost analysis? Let's be logical here, not just emotion-based. Is it really the best thing for the kids? And am I going to potentially get an outcome that's going to what, – what's the middle ground? And then what's the potential best-case, worst-case on, on uh, if we go all the way to a trial on it? And that's what – bringing this back around to niche practice, that's when I think that you've got to have an attorney who has the experience – and can tell you even personally, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in front of this judge enough to tell you this is how he usually rules, or I think this is beneficial, or I think your case has some serious merit, and I really think we need to pursue this. Because if you're not careful, you can go to any big box firm. They're always going to tell you, oh, yeah, let's file it. Mm -hmm. Because if money is their game, they're always going to take your money. You've got to be able to go to somebody who's going to be honest with you. And, you know, not everybody is going to be honest. I don't, I don't like the idea of I don't make promises that I can't keep. In fact, I don't make promises to clients. You've got to be able to be realistic. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the main thing. And you know that with sure. criminal clients. You're realistic with Oh, them. yeah, no, and I never make them promises. I, I can give them my opinion of based on my experience of and the evidence that it looks like there is. Sure, and the judge. Yeah, probably. and the judge and the DAs sure. and everything. I mean, that's, that's again, why not just niche, but local practice, mm -hmm. local practitioners is important, I think. But anyway, um, that's what you pay them for, though, is, it, but, but th that's what I have learned now as, and we talked about this, you know, you can't immediately be a niche lawyer. You can try, but you're not going to be an expert in the field without some experience. And so that's part kind of why we came to the, the conclusion that we did as a firm in that, look, Brian and I, need to do criminal defense that's what we need to do that's, that's what we are we're criminal defense lawyers we're good at it that's what we we get we get pleasure from it i enjoy it 
Uh, it's more fulfilling, uh, and I'm just better at it. And so conversely, that's how you are with the family law. And so you need a lawyer who is that way, that's driven by, you know, we're driven to have wins, right? And the wins look different depending on the kind of law or case it is. I've even had cases, I had a, so again, DUIs, the goal is always to get a dismissal or reckless driving. Everybody, all my clients know that when they come in the door. However, I had one guy, he was charged with a DUI 1, come to find out it was actually a DUI 3. So now he's facing a lot of jail time, potentially if convicted. And so it's, it's can I negotiate it to a one? You know, can oh I, a one is a win if I can just get a DUI one. So uh, anyway, the, the win can look different, but um, you just got to have a lawyer that's experienced that can guide you through all that. Yeah. Yeah. So what makes a good client for you? Who's your great client? I mean, what's a good client for you? What does that look well, like for you? Well, so Josh learned yesterday. <laughs> the new rule you got. Yeah, the new rule. So Josh is my assistant slash marketing director. So often when I'm doing intakes, he's either part of it or hears some of it or knows what's going on. It's all confidential because he's under the firm. Anyway, I always have three rules I tell every client, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday made me add a fourth one. This okay. is the first time I've done that. So rule one, this is, again, specific to criminal law. Rule one is always expect to be in court from 9 to noon. No matter what, expect right. to be there from 9 to noon. Plan the day around it. Number two is dress appropriately. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to be in a suit, but no weed leaf stuff, no F the police shirts. <laughs> I tell them that because they wear it. And then number three, be ready to pass a drug screen. Yes. Because as a conditional bond, and most of my clients are on bond, they can ask for a drug screen. And I don't want it to be an issue. The new condition, let me tell you, Kim, yesterday we had a bunch of cases. And we were doing great. Brian and I were hustling Fayette sessions, Tipton sessions, Tipton circuit. Had an old client approach me in sessions while I'm running and gunning. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I got new charges because I got his case. He, he had a DUI. He'd gotten it resolved as a reckless driver, but he was on limited probation. Anyway, in the course of that, he gets a new charge, right? So uh, he comes up to me. Hey, I got this new charge. I want to talk to you about hiring on it. Uh, they haven't talked to me yet about it, the DA. So I go to the DA on behalf of this guy that hasn't hired me yet. And I'm like, hey. He says he's going to hire me. Can we just get a reset on this so I can look at it, see if he's going to hire us? The DA's like, no problem. He said, however, there's a violation of probation filed. I think we need to address the judge on that. He said, so I'll let you get the reset. And it, the judge had already put he would cite him on the violation. In other words, uh-huh. not immediately violate him, but was just going to give him notice, cite him, that he'd been violated or that the VOP was filed. So the guy gets up there by me. We're standing there explaining to the judge, look, he's wanting to hire me. We've agreed to reset it. Everybody's good. Well, the judge starts sort of talking through why he did the violation, not asking questions. He's just Mm -hmm. making statements. And he makes the statement that uh, he's like, well, Mr. Mason, just so you know, he didn't uh, he was supposed to be supervised for the first few months. He didn't show up to the probation office to do the supervision. I don't know why, but just kind of like just so you're aware. And then this guy decides to go, well, Your Honor, um, they told me I didn't have to. And the judge goes, well, who told you you didn't have to? And he's like, well, the probation officer. They told me I didn't have to, to report. And so then he looks at the probation officer who's sitting there, and it's not going to say they didn't tell him not to report, right? Right. And it goes, oh, no, we if he came in, we told him he had to report. There was, This is not accurate. And so the judge just gets pissed that he even said anything, and now he's got confirmation that maybe he's lying. And he says, you know what? I'm just going to violate you. He said, I'm going <gasps> to violate you. You're going to jail right now. We're going to put you in jail. We'll talk about this in a month. Oh, my God. So then me and the DA or even the DA was like, sorry. I'm like, you didn't do it. He should have shut up. So number four is shut up yes <laughs> if we're in court you're paying me to be your spokesperson so if you if i'm your lawyer and we're in court unless i tell you to shut up you don't say nothing you let me talk now this guy kind of knew it but he just sort of blurted this out and right. if he had just shut up we would have walked out 
and dude would have come, but we we got hired. We just showed up. I'd have probably resolved the whole thing, but instead, he's in jail right now. So, so yeah. is that your wor- Is that like your worst client? Like, is the ones that no? Don't I, I, honestly, I don't even talk. know that that's the worst client. That's a bad one. Worst is probably the ones that just don't listen. Like you tell them what to expect. Like we literally control their expectations, right. and literally the next day they're calling, or they're calling the sheriff and the DA and all these people just stirring the pot. Right, right. Those those are pretty bad. I mean, the ones that are constantly pestering you, and then by pestering you, preventing you from doing the work. Right. You know, because they're taking the time. That, that would probably be the worst. But, yeah, they're, they're all right up there when they do that kind of stuff. Okay, well. What about you? Your gold gold star clients. Okay. My gold star, and I think this would deserve its own podcast, but it's how do you, how do you prepare for a divorce? My gold star clients are the ones that I tell all my divorce clients that they've got to prepare for their divorce. Like when they come in, mm-hmm. prepare for your divorce. Um, my gold star clients are the ones who do exactly what I tell them to do. They become unemotional with their ex. Like, they take the emotion out. They stop communicating with their ex except for the necessities, like what's getting paid, how to exchange the children. There's no more emotion. Let the other person go crazy, not you. I call it going gray rock where there's no emotion involved where we get these text, crazy texts back and forth, where it's like a page of text. I don't want to see that. I only want to see one to three sentence text. I've actually threatened to fire clients over pages of text. Mm -hmm. You know, because judges, they see that, and then it looks just like tit for tat. Mm -hmm. It's keeping your mouth shut. It's the same thing. Or they talk to people about it. They post on Facebook about their divorce. Or they're talking to their in-laws about their divorce and they say oh no I've got a great I've got a great relationship with my in-laws yeah you did until this didn't happen you know and Mm. and that always happens you know where one of the in-laws ends up turning on you or even friends you know it's so weird when you go through a divorce you think that some of the people who are your friends are still going to remain your friends you would be shocked how many people will turn on you during a divorce Mm -hmm. you know um, or another one is, oh, they expect the person who was not dependable during the marriage to suddenly be dependable. Like if he or she was not paying something during the divorce, during the marriage, they're not going to pay it just because there's a court order. Yeah. You know, a court order is a piece of paper, mm-hmm. you know. The courts probably, I mean, there's nothing you can do except get a contempt of court. Although, I did get somebody in jail recently for contempt. It was a pretty big deal. Yeah, a lot, you know, a lot of days. A lot of days. But that's what I have. But my worst, and I'm going to catch a lot of grief for this, but my worst clients, and I hate saying this because I was once a stay-at-home mom. My worst clients are stay-at-home moms and homeschooling moms. And I hate saying it because I homeschooled my kids for a year. And stay-at-home moms. And the reason is because out there in the world, there is this idea that, oh, well, I get the house, and I'm going to get alimony, and I'm going to get all this stuff, and I'm going to be able to remain a stay-at-home mom, and I'm going to be able to still homeschool my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is, no, you're not. Courts don't know enough about homeschooling. They are very weird about homeschooling. Mm -hmm. They don't like it, really. They're going to expect you to put your kids in school, and they're going to expect you to have a job. And the best clients I have are the ones who prepare for their divorce, and they don't just get a job. 
they get a career. Mm -hmm. They get something where they have money of their own and they're not relying on their soon-to-be ex-spouse for money. You Mm -hmm. never want to be in a position where you are going to ever have to rely on that child support. Yes, it's great. You're going to want, you know, yes, in a, in a perfect world, that child support's wonderful, but you never want to be in the position where if that person was unreliable prior to the divorce, they are going to be unreliable after. Yeah, That's the biggest lesson to learn. So for my stay-at-home moms, if you're divorcing because he wasn't paying the bills or she wasn't helping or whatever it is, even if you're a stay-at-home dad, I've actually had a stay-at-home dad, you've got to prepare and get a good paying job and be able to get those kids ready to go into school or preschool or whatever it is. So those are my clients where they have a hard time reentering the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes we don't, the advice we give may not be what they want to hear, Mm-mm. but it's what they need. Yeah. And so they got to listen. Um, and then I know, you know, Kim, we're going to do a couple of people that are watching can, of course, comment on specific topics they're interested in. But we have a couple of ideas that Kim and I are going to follow up on on this kind of subject matter uh, for future podcasts so you guys can get some good information on family law. Um, and then well, Jerry, I think we should hear from the listeners what they what they'd like to hear from we can throw out some topics and see what what they'd like to hear yeah well you had talked about how to prepare for a divorce how to recognize signs of signs that the divorce is imminent and signs that your spouse is maybe having an affair well and then i like the good one that you had i think which is kind of school focused for the school system yeah they what i've noticed too is that schools and school systems have a really hard time reading permanent parenting plans in schools a lot of times make mistakes on how to read that they make assumptions about who has the kids who's got custody and all that and a lot of times they get it wrong and then it's just a lot of bad things happen um another one's another another thing that i thought would be helpful is um, i've got some past clients that would love to do a roundtable discussion of things they wish um, that they knew before they filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one, but I would love to hear from your listeners about some things that they would like to know about family court or filing for divorce or anything that they would like to know about child custody. Mm-hmm. So, or even having to deal with a narcissistic spouse or having to deal with a narcissistic ex. Yeah. Well, what I'm excited about is some people are going to put all of their information on Front Street. Please <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't put your name down. Yeah. Well, well, Facebook, I guess uh, that's debatable whether they can do that or not. So anyway, well, thanks for being here today, Kim. I'm if you need to, to follow up with Kim or our office, uh, she's going to, her firm is within our firm. So she's uh, renting space in the firm. So it's still her firm in both offices, but, but not you can not till August first. Not till August first, but you can call the same number either way. So you call nine zero one seven two six three eight five four, or like I told you, you can reach out to her or us. Either way, we're going to refer to the same person so she can get you more information. Now, Kim is very busy. I will say that if you're interested in consulting with her, uh, she's actually busier than we are, and there's one of her right now. So you need to make sure you reach out to her to get on the books to come see her. Yeah. Uh, But thank you guys for watching. If we can be of any help, let us know. Don't forget, as always, like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Josh will start throwing our lower thirds up there. There he goes. (laughs) And we're on all podcast platforms, et cetera, and on TikTok. and then, of course, uh, N.A. The Band, Inside My Head, their album is out for free. Make sure you download that. 
We want to thank Michelle Allen. I see her almost every day now, uh, but she's supported the show for a long time. So visit uh, Michelle Allen's Cry Like Realtor stuff if you need any uh, assistance with real estate, etc. Mason's High Octane Martial Arts. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. We have a bunch of specials going on right now because of the 30-year anniversary, so just check that out. Uh, the Cellar Restaurant and Prohibition Bar, located in Covington, open seven days a week. And the new location coming soon to Somerville. Always fun stuff going on there. Tonight is, uh, well, we're filming this on a, what is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. So we've wind down Wednesday, whiskey up Wednesdays. And then if you need help with uh, setting up your website, social media marketing, etc., Josh will help you at masonitemarketing.com. And then, of course, last but not least, Covington Comic Con returns to the Covington Square on August 12th and 13th. You can go to covingtoncomiccon.com and get your tickets, vendor information, etc. And we'll see you then. So you guys have a good week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.